All right, so Alex, uh, you got called out on um, Twitter this uh, this past week over. Apparently, you don't watch the games that you go to each week. Is is that my understanding? I watch the games. I just don't remember what happens in them. Yeah, I wish you had the excuse of of drinking, but we played at a Christian high school last year that doesn't allow alcohol to be served. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the player that you forgot about scoring, uh, you got to know him pretty well because he did one-on-one coaching with your son, correct? Yeah, I was pretty sure that I remembered goals that happened by Tony and how exciting they were. And uh, turns out, fact check, he had two goals last season. Thought, well, okay, so he, he scored two goals, but they headed goals, which is what I said on the Mongols podcast with Pittsburgh. I was trying to say a few nice things about Tony uh, as he's going to town. One of them was uh, against Lansing, that home game. I was out of town, and we had family things going on, so I didn't get to watch the game live and went to go watch it on demand. And because of the red card, USL decided that no one should ever see that game again, ever. So I didn't know that that goal was a header. I'm blaming you for that one, actually, Adam. You should have told me Tony scored with a header. I don't remember those words ever escaping your lips. I may not have said that Tony scored with a header, but I also wasn't prepared for you to act like he never scored with his head. The second goal was also Orlando. It was in the second half, so it was literally right in front of my face. So all I can say about that, Tony. I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, You're very good looking. I'm not attractive. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right, welcome into episode three of season two of the Soccer Chat. We are brought to you by Roughneck Scars and are part, as always, of the BGN.FM network. Um, I am Adam Bruce, one of your hosts, and joined, as always, by Alex Fordney. Alex, welcome. Are we the Soccer Chat, or are we just Soccer Chat? I, th- I don't know if we've earned the status yet, but we are the only Soccer Chat I'm aware of with two T's in it, so... We got that going yeah. for us. Which is nice. <laughs> All right, so, Alex, I, I think we're going to continue with what we started um, really in the begin- first episode of the season, which is our good news, bad news episode. Oh, that's bad. No, that's good. What do you got for us on the bad news side? Ooh, that's bad. All right, so... We've got an interview with Travis Nicklaw coming up that gets interrupted because I received a phone call from my kid's school telling me that uh, school was canceled because of potential flooding roads and things like that. Everybody be safe out there. We're getting tons and tons of rain. So that being said, you expressed skepticism about the stadium last week. We have had some of the worst weather of the year. I know it's only February, but if you go through a 12-month span, this is probably some of the wettest soggiest weather that we've had um so here's my fear i think it's pretty obvious with weather like this that there could be a delay in building the stadium even even if you grant that they've raised it up so i know that the stadium site is not sitting underwater right now they've done a lot of work to raise that level so that everything is where it should be i'm sure they've done all the work that they should do to prepare the area so that they're not like getting work trucks stuck in the mud well let's be honest if if it was underwater the 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 anti-red wolves media twitter Instagram world would have it everywhere. So we know even without going out there that it's not. I expect that's some... true. They would have caught it in one of their scheduled drone flights. But <laughs> so here, here's the thing. Like even even if you admit that all of that stuff is not really holding it back, you know, today was not really the day to be out there with a bunch of metal and bolts and, you know, trying to build bleachers and things like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. 
long and they are able to get done in this kind of weather. But you just feel like the stadium delay is going to be pushed back. And what seems to be kind of a habit, and I here again, I don't blame them. They don't need to necessarily always come out with, oh, yeah, this is all terrible and we're really sorry. But they tend to put the rosiest picture that they can as long as they possibly can. And what I fear is that on April 7th, when we play our U.S. Open Cup match at Chattanooga Christian School, as everyone's filing out post-game, the PA announcer will say, Everyone remember to join us here at Chattanooga Christian on April 27th against the Richmond Kickers. And we'll all look at each other and go, wait, what? Did he say we're playing there? Yeah, I think I think there's a good chance of that being the case. The I hope that they're a little bit more proactive than that. I know um, a lot of them have talked about that. But I will say in your interview that you had um, with Sean McDaniel, he referenced like, Assuming that we the weather is not a massive factor, we expect to still be on track. So they've somewhat referenced that the weather will slow them down. Um, and this they have a built-in excuse at this point. We've already gotten twice the amount of rain up until this point than we normally do uh, from January through mid-February. So it it's a almost a, a foregone conclusion that that's going to be the case. But they need to, as soon as they know that, they need to tell us. Um, and not just us. They need, even if it's just a thing out to the season ticket holders that says, hey, there may be a delay. Your season tickets will still be good. If, however, it will be GA only or whatever it's going to be because they won't have, right. like, the supporter section is not there anymore at CCS. So it's going to be a different setup at CCS. So they need to get that notification out. And we know that they don't control the weather. They can't help this. The permits took as long as the permits took. You know, I'm not telling them that they've done a bad job. It's just a reality that it's probably going to be delayed because of this weather that we've that we've dealt with. And if that's the case, once they know that that's going to be the situation, come out and let everyone know. And it's not going to be nearly as bad as if they wait till the last possible second and everyone is constantly meeting with them saying, so this obviously isn't going to happen, is it? Yeah, and I think what I hold back to is there was nothing about the possibility of that game, the Open Cup game that's only three weeks before it, being held at the new stadium. So they don't have a three-week buffer or a four-week buffer. They've got maybe a one- or two-week buffer. And so they've lost – this week's going to be lost. Like it's raining all the way through Friday – Schools are closing. Right. The Tennessee River has overtaken like the top of signs for the river walk. So it's seven to eight feet above flood level. It's really high. And so it's not just in Eastridge where honestly it is a wetland area in a floodplain. Like it is. It's what it is. It's where they're building and they're they're doing all the things they have to do because of what it is. But one of the things is raising your ten feet. That took a lot of time to raise 10 feet for the entire stadium and everything else they're playing in that complex. So I don't think, I just don't see it, but we've talked about that before. It just seems, it just seems like a miss. Like, like it's almost like they don't trust that their fans can handle it. And so they're scared to share it. Right. And what I want to say, any kind of message, we can, we can handle it. We'll be bummed, but we can handle it. And we understand this is the situation. And, you know, here again, they couldn't control it. Yeah. What would be interesting is whether or not they would flip, be able to flip the schedule. Would they be able to flip the Richmond away and home games uh, or anything like that? Interesting. Yeah. Those are, those are things I'm wondering if it's a possibility because Richmond is not um, – Typically, because of the distance, it's not one you would see a lot of traveling. Like Greenville's a travel game for for us. Uh, Tormenta could be a travel for for us, but like Richmond's getting to that very edge. It's like an eight to nine hour drive. Uh, not a ton of fans have probably planned on a trip to Richmond for that away game, and vice versa. So that's a possibility. Right. Who knows? So, all right. So let's let's go to the good stuff. 
So good news. Um, here again, you'll hear from Travis about first week of practice. I uh, reached out to Coach Obleda, and he let us know that he could not be happier with the team the first week of the preseason. Uh, guys have come in ready with a willingness to understand what's going to be asked of them. Um, you saw some excellent video put out of the first week of practices by Chattanooga, um, like a YouTube video that they shared on social media. That was a lot of fun. Um, showed like uh, showed that these guys look like they're uh, they're gelling pretty well for the first week, getting to know each other. Um, so it's uh, pretty exciting. I'll tell you what that that YouTube video was excellent, and whoever um, did all the work to put that together, keep doing that type of stuff. That's the type of content that was severely lacking last year, and I'm really impressed with what they've been doing so far. Um, also very excited this weekend. They're going to be playing their first. Uh, preseason game we're hopefully going to be able to follow what happens it's a closed scrimmage down in the atlanta area um so uh so good luck to the guys as they go down and play that game and uh hope that they can keep us updated and posted on what's going on through the match and see what happens awesome all right so let's go ahead and jump into uh out of the good news bad news segment and uh talk a little bit around the league what do you got going on for us around the league so our buddy Ira Jersey of the uh, League One Fun Show put out a article on BGN uh, website. Is that, is, I always get this messed up. Is it BGN.FM or BGN.com? .FM. BGN.FM is a realistic pro-rail plan for the USL in 2021. Um, he talks about trying to do something limited um, this, of course, is based off of the uh, the recent decision um, that had to do with uh, a lawsuit about promotion relegation. Adam, tell us a little bit about that. Let's get some background before we dive into the piece. Yeah, so the owner of um, Silva, who is the owner of the Miami FC, um, along with... So a- we might only be soccer chat, but they get to be the Miami FC? Correct, yeah. Okay, fair uh, enough. Along with... A, um, I believe it's an NPSL team, the Kingston Stockade, uh, took a lawsuit to the Court of Arbitration of Sports, an international uh, arbitration court um, that helps settle disputes and, and such for um, various entities. And this one specifically was for for soccer. For this, what's was, their verdict on LeBron versus Jordan? Uh, I don't think we've got that back yet. It's still pending. Okay. Yeah. So. This was for against. It was basically they were suing FIFA to enforce one of the rules that's within the FIFA regulations, and the rule crudely basically says that in order to be in the top division, you have to be there through sporting merit, which has been interpreted by most to mean promotion relegation must be a part of your top division's way of granting access to it. FIFA and basically contended that it shouldn't have applied to the United States because the United States has never had a true promotion relegation system, so it was never meant for them. And for whatever reason, the Court of Arbitration was like, yep, that's fair. You didn't have it actually written in your rules, but that's fair. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and then to add insult to injury, they forced uh, the two teams that were... uh, filing a lawsuit to pay the USSF's court fees and lawyer fees. Wow. So they not only said, no, you're wrong, but they said, no, they basically said, no, you're wrong. And it's frivolous, which is just ridiculous. I mean, it, anyone who's read those regulations goes, yeah, there's no way that they don't mean this to for everyone. Cause they say like, it's about like how you have to set up your league within various countries. It never directly outlines Europe and never directly outlined South America. The same thing was basically threatened against the Australian League, and the Australian League was like, nope, we'll lose that, so we're going to go ahead and create promotion relegation. Guess you should have waited, Australia. You wouldn't have had to let those uh, B-League teams in. Um, but yeah, that's the whole premise of it. Okay, so obviously this had a lot of pro-rail people on Twitter uh, rending garments and gnashing teeth. So I'm kind of a lukewarm pro-rail zealot we've talked about this before so 
I I'm such a zealot. I would love to see. I feel like most of the professional leagues, including baseball, football, basketball, are overexpanded, and would love to see them become promotion relegation type things. And I can hear the scoffers already telling me, "You're trying to tell me that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to have to drop down to the G League." No, that's dumb. But what I will tell you is, why don't they just go ahead? Since every one of these major league teams loves expanding and taking fees from people, why don't they just expand by eight more teams and have two 20-team divisions and do promotion relegation? So that's where I feel about promotion relegation. I know you don't feel the same. Uh, Elliot Barr of River City 93, I think he had a great tweet the other day, and I honestly agree with him about this, talking about the fact that really the priority for American soccer shouldn't be on promotion relegation. It needs to be on growing the youth game. 100%. And I, as much as I think promotion relegation is a good, um, I agree with him 100%. So let's all jump back from that to our friend Ira Jersey, who had... A modest proposal, and I don't mean like the satire modest proposal. I mean an actual modest proposal about how to install limited relegation between USL Championship, USL League One as kind of a test, something that you can phase in. And as people realize that the world doesn't end and clubs aren't disappearing left and right because of relegation, that maybe this promotion relegation thing isn't as terrible as everyone thought it was supposed to be. So here's the problem with his entire premise on that on that article. He based it around MLS two teams that no one cares about, no one goes to games for, and no one's going to think that if you're in League One you disappear, and if you're in Championship you you don't, because no one cares anyways. Like I I was just like this doesn't prove anything. Like oh you moved, like OCB came down to League One. It's already happened. They didn't disappear. If if North Texas goes to championship, they're not going to be suddenly more popular in Frisco because they're still a B team. Like, I just didn't understand the logic. Well, they're in Arlington now, so... Yeah. I I didn't understand the logic at all. Like, I was just like, this doesn't do anything. No one's going to care if a MLS team goes up and down, back and forth. They don't have any fans anyways. Yeah, I'll agree that he kind of lost me with the complexity talking about essentially it's just MLS2 teams that are promoting and relegating. Exactly. So, I mean, and, and so what does that gain me as a Chattanooga Red Wolves fan if my team finishes first, three other independent teams finish second and third, and North Texas finishes fourth, they're the best MLS2 team and they get to move up. No, that's, and so that to me doesn't really seem to uh, to solve many problems. No, and also the next year, like, are you thinking to yourself when you're playing now the uh, trying to think of a team you wouldn't care if you'd be excited if you were playing, um, like, if you're suddenly getting to play T two, does it really matter that much? Like is it-, it probably, I mean, for me as a Timbers fan, it maybe brings a little extra juice because I know the players that are coming into town. Whereas with North Texas, if it wasn't Ricardo Pepe, I, I don't know. Um, you know, if they, if it was Atlanta United two dropping down, well, good gosh, there's another game that's completely drivable for us to go travel to. Um, but there's really not a lot, you know. If it's if it's Swope Park Rangers, who I don't think they're called that anymore in Kansas City. Or if it's uh, you know New York Red Bulls too, yeah, it's not really, not really lighting it up. Yeah, exactly, and that's my whole thing. And then what you end up with as a league League One fan, in all honesty, is North Texas goes away, and you get the the all the B teams that don't try, that just sit there at the bottom of championship, being useless, and then League One becomes filled with them. That's not better. Like, that's not good. Like, I don't know. I just think you have to be doing... If you're going to do it at all, it has to be with a full League One to Championship and back. And that needs to be what they go after. And i got to believe Ricardo Silva being involved in Championship 
that had to have been what they said they were going to do it, and they had a time frame that they're not announcing. Right. So, no, I so, wasn't a fan of it. I understood where he was coming from, but I read the article and went, this will only... And I'm not a pro row guy, really. I mean, I, I like the idea to a point, like, you have a way to go, but if the league stayed closed forever, I'm okay with that because then I know those teams really well as they come in and out. Like, it doesn't bother me. Because uh, right. I'm not someone who thinks, like, a lot of people thought after we lost in the championship as a CFC fan, which always made me laugh, that... One day CFC could be an MLS if we have Pro-Rel. Well, no, because they're they're still having to build off of the attendance they get here and the tickets they come through the date to build their players up. And you're going to have a, a ceiling. like Just like everywhere else, there's a ceiling to where you can really get to that it's rare for anything else to happen. Biggles Wade has no ceiling, Adam. The sky's the limit. Actually, they, they do have a ceiling on their stadium. It's It, it holds 350 people at Bigglesway Town, and there is a nice little ceiling to keep you from the elements. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We've got a Bigglesway update coming up later. Of course we do. All right, well, let's uh, jump to our interview. Um, as we said, we have Travis Nicklaw, the new defender who signed with the Chattanooga Red Bulls. He is a Guamanian meaning his mother is from the island of Guam, but you will find out he grew up in Southern California, um, and uh, we enjoyed getting to know him and hope you do too. So we are here live with Travis Nicklaw, new signing for the Chattanooga Red Wolves as a defender. Uh, Travis, welcome to Chattanooga. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, so far, so good. Uh, a little bit cold uh, compared to San Diego weather, but uh, adjusting pretty well. Yeah, so I was going to ask, is this the first time that you've ever played in the snow and worn shorts in the same week? <laughs> no, I actually played in Iceland, so... It's a little similar, but not a little more snow for the most part. <laughs> so, Travis, give us a little bit or let um, our listeners know a little bit about yourself, uh, what your kind of um, playing history is and such, and what brought you um, to Chattanooga ultimately. Um, so I'm from San Diego, California. Uh, my playing history, I've been playing soccer uh, basically my whole life and uh, played at San Diego State um, University. Um Graduated in 2016, and then from there, I played over in New Zealand and in Iceland. So did you have um, contact or had you met Coach Obleda prior to coming here to Chattanooga and making the signing? How did you get that connection? Um, I got a connection with him um, out in uh, California. So he, he actually got a hold of me, and then... From there, he uh, saw me play for a little bit over over in a trial out there. And from there, it just brought me over to here. And then now I'm a Chattanooga Red Wolf. All right, so San Diego, 75 degrees and beautiful all the time. Uh, yep. <laughs> versus Chattanooga, where we have about two weeks of 75 and beautiful. It happens in June. Don't miss it. Or because right afterwards, it's 95 degrees and 100% humidity. Uh, <laughs> what uh, What is it that when you compare being in Southern Cal, being in Iceland, being in New Zealand, all these various places, what is it about the different areas that have uh, that you've most enjoyed? Because it's a, it's a pretty significant difference between those various areas. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, for me, every everywhere I played, uh, it's uh, it's obviously different from Iceland down to New Zealand and then to here in San Diego. But honestly, it's just about uh, adapting and enjoying enjoying what it is and the enjoying the experience. So for me, it's it's just an experience that I can uh, I can enjoy and just take the good out of it. Really, so I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the season. So. Of course, you, uh, you've come into town, haven't been here for very long, um, have been very busy with your preseason training and all those kind of things. Um, what have you had a chance to go out and enjoy in Chattanooga has been your favorite thing so far? Um, so far, uh, 
<laughs> um, just uh, yesterday we had a we had a little day off, so I went downtown, um, walked around a little bit, got some coffee, and uh, kind of enjoyed the weather while it was here. Um, because yesterday it was a bit, it was nice and good weather for for the most part. A little chilly, but other than that, yeah, just kind of enjoying the city and uh, getting to know the ins and outs of Chattanooga. All right, so let's uh, let's turn away from the uh, the questions that have to do with the you know your background and the area, but turn more towards what um, what you came here for, which is soccer. You're a, you're considered a defensive player. Can you tell us a little bit about what you consider your style of play and how you think it'll fit into Coach Oblata's system? Um, yeah, I mean, my job is to just keep goals out of the to help keep goals out of our uh, out of our net. And, you know, that's what I came here to do. And I'm going to do my best to help the team out in any way, any way in shape or form to contrib- contribute to the overall goal and winning games. So, yeah. Thinking about, um, you know, maybe a big time player in Europe, who's uh, someone like that, that you kind of model your game after that we would relate to that we watch on TV? Um, oh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I would have to say, I mean, right now, the best defender, I think right now would be Virgil van Dijk and, you know, just watching him and how he is as a, as a defender and how he commands the back line and what, how he good he does defensively, aerially and all that stuff. So that's just kind of something I try to implement in my game as well. Well, that's good. Adam is a, a jaded Arsenal fan, so I'm sure he's thrilled that you didn't say Mustafi. <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan as well, so yeah, I was I was trying to think if if there was any uh, Arsenal defenders right now, but our our defense isn't doing too hot. <laughs> yeah, there's not a defender on Arsenal I want you to be mentioning. Well, no, we asked for good ones, so obviously you couldn't. You could go back in time, or or go to, you know, go to back when when we had the big friendly giant back there. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, per um, I did I did like Kushel, uh Kushelny. so that was he was probably one of my fa- uh, favorite Arsenal center backs. All right, so I'm going to ask the question that anyone who has done a Google search of you knows that you have been part of the Guam national team in the past. Um, tell us a little bit about that experience and and what it was like to uh, get to be a part of that World Cup qualifying and events and such. Um, yeah, so, um, I'm eligible through that, through, through my mom. Um, she's from Guam and yeah, that, that whole experience is, is what it is, is an experience that I'm get to, that I've, I've had the the blessing to enjoy, uh, the World Cup qualifiers back in 2016. And then even in now in, um, 2019 and 2020, we're going through World Cup qualifiers as, um, from last September to November, we've had games against China, Syria, Philippines, and the Maldives, and we're going through the second round of that um, group stages. Uh, but yeah, it's it's taken me all all over Southeast Asia, and you know I'm very blessed to have that opportunity and that experience as a player. So what what's that like? What's something that we could try to relate to when you go travel with a national team and get to play um, somewhere in Asia, um, you know, large stadium, big crowd. Um, what's that like? Um, it's, it's surreal to be honest. Uh, when we actually played China in China um, and there was about 45 to 50,000 fans in the stadium. And, you know, that was a very, that was probably, that's definitely the biggest, biggest crowd I've played in front of. And, you know, I got to embrace that and, you know, it kind of didn't hit me up until the national anthem. <laughs> we, <laughs> there are, our national anthem went off and then China's went on and then the whole, the whole stadium was singing and I looked around and it was a sea of red. So <laughs> that was a bit breathtaking. But once the game started, everything kind of went away and it was back to business. <laughs> so when you get to play these world cup qualifying games at home in Guam, what's the atmosphere like in those matches? Um, it's, uh, it's not obviously not to the magnitude of, of China, but we're, we're a small prideful Island. Um, uh, we have a lot of support from, from our, uh, 
our people on the island and our f- friends and family. So, you know, whether it's playing in front of 45,000 or just the 5,000 in Guam, it's still, it's still a great experience on Guam, uh, to represent, um, uh, our island and, um, get to play in front of fam- friends and family. So it's, it's an, ex- it's still an experience no matter what the, the size and, of the And crowd speaking is. of family, you've gotten to play along with your brother, correct? Is that something yes, you've correct. gotten to do at any other point in your career? Or is it strictly with the national team that you've gotten to do that? Um, uh, unfortunately, yeah, it's a, it, we haven't had a chance to play on the same club team. Um, but playing with him in the international stage is, I would say, my most cherishable thing I can take away from soccer. Um, I've always looked up to him playing soccer and, you know, try to he's one of my biggest inspirations playing so playing alongside with him is definitely one of the best things i could take out of my memory in soccer and my enjoyment of it so as you look towards this upcoming season um what are some kind of personal goals you've set for yourself as you try (laughs) to help this team um with their second season um i mean personal goals are they're nice and everything, but you know, I'm like I said before. We're, I'm here for to to do whatever it takes to help the team have complete our overall goal and is to win the game, uh, to win the league, and you know, go fur go further than we did last year. And you know, so my role and my personal goals kind of are set aside for the team as of as of now, and you know, help doing any, doing everything I can to help win games. All right, so a lot of what we get to find out about the team comes from you know following team on Instagram, from uh, community events that you guys are involved with. Uh, <clears throat> and I, my question is, as you guys are getting together, are you starting to see some of the personalities? Is there anybody that's really standing out as just kind of that uh, over-the-top personality um, that you think kind of takes over the team? Or has it been kind of subdued? Or what has it been like this week? No, I think I think everyone's um no one has an ego on this team and you know everyone is really starting to gel together and you know this team is going to go for, for very far I think because of that aspect of of what we're doing the culture we're creating so uh this is a very team oriented uh team club so everyone's really bought into the same 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 idea same same goal so yeah so what what have uh, the returning players kind of what have they taught you guys about Chattanooga and about what the Red Wolves are doing um, and just what those goals are that you guys have this season? Yeah, the returning players they they said you know we're we're in a great great organization great uh, great environment here in Chattanooga and you know we can only we can we can expect um, great support from our fans and um, our team and f- from our organization so you know it's everything is set to for our new for the newcomers including myself to be the best we can be so i'm not 100 sure if this question makes it into the interview or not but i have to ask it because my wife keeps talking about it has is ronaldo pineda's hair as shiny and luscious as it looks on all these instagram photos they have of him (laughs) yeah he i would say he has some of the best hair on the team um yeah, his hair is his hair is pretty nice. <laughs> he takes care of it. <laughs> I wanted Alex to ask the question so it came across as jealous. Um, th- not that he's lacking, but no, it's because Alex is lacking. Um, okay. <laughs> so I wanted to wrap up with uh, some rapid fire, um, just kind of get to know you type questions. Um, so are you yep. ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So rapid fire. Are you okay with pineapple on pizza? Um, no, I'm gonna have to no? say no on that one. <laughs> All right, that's a that's a thumbs down from over here. But um, <laughs> so you had talked earlier. So, what is your uh, your favorite European soccer team? Arsenal. So you're Good an man. Arsenal fan. Okay. Yeah. I guess we'll deal with it. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh man. Um, uh, stump me on this one. Uh, I might have to go with the classic. Uh, maybe Iron Man. Iron Man, nice. Okay. Um. So if there's, if you have to eat one thing every day for the rest of your life, 
what would it be? Um, a California burrito. California. Oh, so what's in a California burrito? Um, it's like a carne cider burrito, but it's got fries inside. Oh, yeah. Gonna have to try I, that. That's a that's a Southern California thing. So <laughs> okay. You're new to town, so you may not have had a chance to go to Charlie's yet. So I'm not going to ask you your favorite Charlie's barbecue menu item. Okay. Um, what was the uh, last book that you read? Last book, um, Mind Gym. I forget by the I forget who the author was. Okay, but we'll say the final one. When you were growing up as a kid, what was your favorite cartoon show? Or it didn't have to be a cartoon, but your favorite kids show growing up. Um, it would have to be Rocket Power on Nickelodeon. Excellent. All right. Well, that is all I have. Travis, thank you so much for your time and uh, sorry for the interruptions, but uh, we appreciate you joining our podcast and look forward to seeing you on the field. No problem. Hey, thanks for having me guys. Thanks Travis. Once again, that was Travis Nicklaw, a central defender that we've picked up for the upcoming season, expecting big things out of him and out of that revamped back line for Coach Oblata's team going into this next season. All right, so let's go around some other leagues. Let's look at uh, some things happening here in the States and some things happening on the other side of the pond. And uh, we'll start here. You said pond. I did. Uh, here on uh, close to us, really, here in uh, Nashville. Have you been following what's going on with the Nashville Stadium stuff? I've been seeing bits and pieces, and it's really interesting um, of course, I'm a, one of the people who is not a huge fan of publicly funded stadiums. Um, I would love for owners to build their own damn stadium. Agreed. So they're seeming to have that issue with uh, with Nashville, with the mayor of Nashville. And so now the uh, Nashville SC or Nashville United, what are they called? I think they're Nashville SC. 1860 Nashville. <laughs> uh, anyway, they... Um, they are between a rock and a hard place as the city is balking at building a new stadium for them. And MLS is saying, if you're not building a soccer specific stadium, then we may be taking this franchise away from you. So two things. One, I think part of it is, isn't even the money coming from the, from the city. I think it's that the land that they are trying to get, the city is no longer letting them have. Yeah, I believe that's the big thing. They were going to be building on fairgrounds, uh, you know, former Tennessee State fairgrounds somewhere in town. And so now apparently they're being uh, sticklers about the facility. Right. And so I think that's a little different than if it was supposed to be fully funded by the city. But there is definitely a portion of it that's being funded by the city, which I think always stinks to high heaven. I don't like that. Um, but the other part of it, I kind of side with the MLS on this. Like, the only reason they got a franchise is because that city council, who their mayor was a part of, and he was on the opposition side, approved it. When the mayor was running for mayor, he said it would stay. He would not affect it. So I kind of side with MLS on this. Like, hey, buddy, this was a commitment that your city made, and you guys are backing out. That's not the way to do business. And if you're going to do that, we're going to take the team away. That's not. That's not what we agreed to. Uh, I'm willing to agree with that. Here's the one thing that bothers me, and it plays into this last weekend watching XFL football debut in soccer-specific Audi Field in Washington, D.C. So I'm just, I've, I've got the uh, list pulled up here of the 26 Major League Soccer teams, and I'm counting one, two, here's, so there's Atlanta United, Here's Chicago Fire, who left their soccer-specific stadium and are now playing in a football stadium, a gigantic, cavernous football stadium. Uh, let's see. FC Cincinnati's building one. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but they're in a college football stadium. Uh, Inter-Miami right now is in a glorified high school football stadium. No, that thing is beautiful. What are you talking about? Um, New England Revolution has never played anywhere but Gillette Stadium. That's definitely not a soccer-specific stadium. Five years ago, New York City FC debuted. They play at Yankee Stadium. Uh, there was a pretty close run of uh, Red Bull Arena hosting the New York XFL team. 
there's two Canadian football teams in two of the Canadian franchises in the league. We've got Dignity Health Sports Park, home of the uh, San Diego Chargers. San Diego Chargers? Yeah. I don't want to call them Los Angeles. Um, Texas Southern University plays at BBVA Stadium in Houston. So Wikipedia has got to fix that because they don't have them marked as a, as a facility that shares use, but they do. Um, and then, of course, there's CenturyLink Field, which is kind of like Atlanta um, in that it was built with the idea of hosting soccer games in mind. So it's not soccer specific, but at least it's built to host soccer and can handle it. Um, so there's there's close to half the league is not in these. And so I don't understand why they can't just let them play in Nissan Stadium for another seven years. Add into that MLS, which is saying, or MLS Charlotte, which is saying it's going to be playing where the Panthers play. Right. They're not even pretending that they're trying to get that. Of course, he gave a whole lot more money uh, than, than the last round. And all of that is why my grumpy father gets upset that minor league baseball was kicked out of Portland so that the Portland Timbers could change Providence Park over to a soccer-specific stadium. <laughs> well, he should, you know, it could have been worse. They could have just contracted them like they are trying to do the lookouts. I mean, honestly, Major League Baseball is being a bit, bit, bit harsher than even MLS when it comes to those, those teams. Yeah, I get that. I just think, you know, yeah, I thought, I've always thought that was stupid, but at the same time, that Nashville, the way that stadium is built, it will look cavernous and empty most of the time. Uh, except for when Atlanta United comes to play. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Arsenal was off uh, for the first time in a while. Um, let me ask, did you do you remember what your children looked like when you got to spend time with them this weekend? Uh, my eldest grew a lot. It was weird. Uh, she... She was, it was confusing for me. Um, my son, since he's always with me watching the Arsenal games, also introduced himself to his sisters, and they were excited to have us back. <laughs> so, yeah, not much of note happening in, uh, in England. There were, there were a few games in this scheduled rest period. I guess they kind of staggered it so that there wasn't just a complete week off. Well, those um, were the FA Cup replays. On Saturday? Yeah, this past weekend, it was the FA Cup replays. of So Saturday and Sunday, they were the replays. So Tottenham had their replay game. Liverpool had their replay game. That was this past weekend. Um, I was pretty sure they counted in the league standings. So yeah, Sheffield United, AFC Bournemouth. That was a, uh, that was a league game. So there, there may have been some replays also, but there was a couple um, Premier League matches. So they've one of got, which was postponed due to weather. So they've got the, a two-week, their, their one week off is this next weekend? Is that what you're saying? Right. Okay. That, I missed that because I was under the impression that the only thing that happened was those fourth-round replays that happened on Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. 8-14, Monday, February 10th. Alex was right. Adam was wrong. Just want to make that get that in the record. <laughs> ah. So... Around the rest of the world, I had a chance to kind of watch and uh, catch up on some things. Um, in Germany, Bayern Munich played a 0-0 draw against Red Bull Leipzig. Bayern Munich has caught and is now one point ahead of Red Bull Leipzig right now in the uh, Bundesliga. I saw uh, about half of Dortmund playing Bayer Leverkusen. And one of their players, uh, what was his name? I don't know. He scored a goal from about 35 yards out that was really beautiful. Um, and then they collapsed and they lost 4-3. to three. Was that the goal that was scored by the U.S. player? No, the uh, that was a couple weeks ago. I think that might have been in like a cup match or something. Um, yeah, Gio Reyna. His was impressive too. That was an impressive goal with Dortmund. Okay, so that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, no, this was definitely Saturday and it was an on goal. Um, Saturday afternoon, 
I watched Juventus and Hellas Verona through my eyelids, was uh, taking a nap. But Juventus scored a goal early in the second half, and then I woke up in time to watch Hellas Verona score a goal in the run of play and then score a penalty off a semi-controversial handball. That set up a fantastic Milan derby between Inter and AC Milan, where Inter was able to come back from two goals down. They ended up winning 4-2 to two and are now tied with uh, Juventus at the top of Serie A. And that's, that is actually... That? Yeah, and that's Serie A, something you can catch on your ESPN Plus subscription. Um, gives you a chance to, to kind of catch up on, um, you know, the other Ronaldo, if you want to, uh, <laughs> that's not playing for the Red Bulls. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, that that coming down and getting tight is always a good thing. I think we talked in the, a couple episodes ago about um, the German League and how it's kind of been top-heavy traditionally and there's a little bit more involved this year. So that's always, that's always good to see that. But, once again, Byron's one of those teams that's usually on the top-heavy side, so I don't want them to get too far out. Yeah. It's nice that there's a race right now, and the same thing with Serie A, where it seemed like Juventus was running away with it for a little while, and now uh, Inter has caught them. And the two of them are really, um, I it. think they're kind yeah. of ahead of all the rest. But but it's going to make it fun coming down here to the wire. Um, also, uh, Chuck checked out a little bit of the uh, Hyundai A-League, uh, some Australian soccer, uh, watched the uh, Melbourne Derby. So um, Melbourne City with a victory, 2-1 victory over uh, Melbourne victory. That was fun. Pretty good soccer for being Australian. So um, normally that's on at like 1.30 in the morning. So if you're dealing with insomnia or anything and uh, wanting to, go on up to uh, ESPN Plus and check that out. And then I also wanted to show tell you about um, Indian Super League. So this is also on your ESPN Plus. Um, this morning... Northeast United against Jamshedpur. The game ended 3-3. The last 15 minutes, there were four goals, a missed penalty, a ball hitting the top of the crossbar but not going over the line, a red card, and five yellow cards. That last 15 to 20 minutes of that game was absolutely electric. And I watched it as soon as I got home. That's nuts. I awesome. found somewhere on Facebook someone was like, oh, my gosh, you have to check out this game. The ending was crazy. So I went home, and I just watched that last 20 minutes. I would not recommend watching 90 minutes of Indian Super League, but okay. the last 15 of that game that I came home to watch today was electric. Okay, so I, it worried me a little bit when you started giving us updates on the Indian Super League because I've heard that podcasting about soccer can lead to being a degenerate gambler. And I worry when you start giving updates about leagues that are considered lower than Division Three in the U.S. I mean, I got to do something with all this amazing podcast cash we're raking in. So that's, that's true. All right, I think it's the time that most people have been waiting, and they've been on this podcast for uh, about probably forty-five minutes or so, waiting for this next segment. I think it's time for you to give us the update we all want. Okay, so Biggleswade Report. Um, we had an awesome week in the town of Biggleswade. Tuesday action, Tuesday afternoon following Twitter was amazing, catching up on uh, on what was going on. So we'll go from top to bottom. Biggleswade Town in the Southern Premier League. Uh, they had kind of a rough week. Tuesday, they ended up losing um, two to one. I think two to one. And then on Saturday, they had a 2-2 draw, had a lead early, and uh, unfortunately gave it up. So the Waiters are having a tough time. But uh, Coach Chris Nunn mentioned that uh, they are a team that has a lot of new players. They brought in a lot of new people, had to kind of reorganize some things uh, with the club. So they are out there, and they are fighting um, about middle of the table for them. If you go to Southern League Division One, Biggleswade FC had a fantastic week, winning midweek and then winning on Saturday against the league leaders, Corby Town. 
Um, so what you'll see a lot from Biggleswade FC is they're a club that is only like three, four years old who has worked their way up to the level that they're at right now. Um, it's quite an impressive story. So congrats to you guys, Biggleswade FC. Uh, great, great job, great week, uh, bringing six points in the league, um, which I'm sure helped them a great deal jumping in the standings. And then finally, in the Spartan South Midlands League, the uh, Biggleswade United midweek had a game in the North Bedfordshire Senior Challenge Cup, which they won 5 nothing. Congrats to them. They're moving on to the semifinals. Either semifinals or the quarterfinals. I can't remember which. And then on Saturday, they too had a victory. A 3 nothing victory against the league leaders, who they were somewhere around nine points behind, so it helped them gain a little bit of ground there. Um, so they are still looking at possibly having a chance to be promoted to the Southern League Division One, which would put the Biggleswade Derby in effect, as Biggleswade FC and Biggleswade United would be in the same league. And that's what this is all about. This is all about Alex getting invited to be the uh, honorary coin flipper at the Biggleswade Derby. That's that's all it's about. That's all it's about. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the Biggleswade Town game, I followed it on Twitter, kept refreshing because you turned me into <laughs> a horrible human being. Uh, they were up a man. They missed a penalty and gave it up the goal in the 96th minute. Ouch. Yeah, that hurt. Nothing but love for you, Biggleswade Town. We have an interest in all lower division soccer and uh, hope to have Chris Nunn on someday soon. That would be excellent. All right, Alex, you got anything else for us? I have literally nothing else. Well, then that's your Biggleswade report for this week. Thanks, Alex. We do want to once again thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scars, the official scar supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scars for your group or team at roughneckscars.com. And we, as always, are part of the BGN Network, bgn.fm. Go check out the website. It's newly redesigned. Gives you really easy access to all the various podcasts that cover USL, MLS, and the soccer across the world. Uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Bye. This just gives me something to throw into the end of it. So we always do outtakes at the end. And so this will give me some outtakes to throw in there to make fun of the fact that uh, Alex can't stay connected to a call. All right. So my son's school was calling me to say that they're going to be on a two hour delay. And uh, interrupted the call. So I'm sorry about that. Um, you guys no may need to uh, get your canoe when it's time to go to practice tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> been, it's been pretty wet lately. <laughs>